0: Okay, so our Bible reading today is from Genesis 11, verses 1 through to 9. So Genesis 11, 1 through to 9. beautiful. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed all over the face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from all over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was named Babel. Because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them all over the face of the earth.
1: Thanks so much. All right, shall we, shall we pray before we kick off? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us, Lord, but particularly we want to thank you for giving us your word. Uh, it, is, it is your word, and you are speaking to us every moment. in every moment in which we open the Bible and read those words. So, Lord, we ask today that you help us to hear what you have to say to us, help our hearts to be open. May you, may you speak profoundly to us. Help me to not get in your way. And, uh, and help all of us to hear what you have to say, Lord God. May you be glorified through this message. May you be glorified through our lives and this action. Uh, and uh, and we pray, Lord God, that, that you be lifted up in this church, in our individual lives, and as we go out into the week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We I, I want to start by just asking you guys a question. Why, why do we as Christians... Work to cross barriers for the gospel. Why do we as Christians work to cross barriers for the gospel? You've already heard just now Joe and I share about our last two and a half years in another country, in Peru. And when we first arrived there, we spent an entire year learning language. We learned to speak, we learned about the Peruvian culture, about their worldview, about their history and specific needs. And one year isn't actually a short time. It's also not without a cost. And I can tell you it's not easy to learn a language. And so it's, it's tempting to think, why bother? Why go to all that trouble? Why not just work with translators, uh, teach Peruvians English, or, or just focus on English speakers or ministering in Australia? Why is it that you support missionaries like us? Thankfully, this passage is helpful this morning with those questions. It gives us the foundational answer to all of those questions. It explains why we as Christians invest time, effort, and money to intentionally cross barriers, cross distances, languages, and cultures. It's also just a fascinating historical event revealing why the world consists of different languages, cultures, peoples, and why they're all in different locations. Plus, it's amusing. I mean, what does what does Babel sound like if you say it in a slightly different way? Yeah, it's like it. It's very. It's it's a funny story, and the, there's there's a bunch of irony throughout the story in other places as well, uh, and it's intentionally named this way. What this biblical account teaches us is that by crossing those barriers of distance, culture, language, we as believers participate in God's plan for salvation. God wants to work with you, you as an individual and as a church on his plan for salvation. God's plan for salvation includes and utilizes language, distance, and culture. And it's by crossing some of those barriers that you participate in God's plan for salvation. Do you want to glorify God with your lives by participating in his plan? Do you? All right. Amen. Let's uh, Let's get stuck into this text properly then. So as we move through the passage, I'm going to be referring to other parts of Genesis, um, particularly chapters 1 to 11. Um, So please, as I'm doing so, use your Bibles, check what I'm saying, make sure I'm not a heretic or I'm making it up. Uh, Please just follow along. Let's go to the next slide. There we go. Oh, did I go too far? No, there we are. All right. The actual, the actual makeup of this passage is itself really cool. I really enjoy it. It's intentionally written to mirror itself, which you can sort of see in the triangular structure there, um, so that we can see God's intervention at the center of the story and his intention to get the story back on track. And we're going to move through this text in, in those five parts, start to finish. First, we'll explore verses 1 to 2, the situation, 3 to 4, the people's plan, five, irony, six to seven, God's plan, and eight to nine, the solution. So first up, the situation. The initial noteworthy point for us here is that there is only one language, the same words. And the text doesn't really indicate that this is either a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the way it is. But... It's a little confusing if you're reading this text directly after chapter 10, because in chapter 10, verses 4, 20, 31, and 32, it tells us that there are all these different groups of people, each with their own language. So what this reveals for us is that our event is actually, is actually taking place in chapter 11. Somewhere, or sorry, our chapter 11 is rather taking a place in chapter 10 somewhere. And it was such a significant event that it required its own telling. In fact, our story explains for us how and why all those different groups mentioned in chapter 10 were formed. The second noteworthy point of the situation is that people were migrating. Now, maybe that doesn't sound very interesting, but this story doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's context. God had in chapters 1, verses 26 to 28 mandated humanity with procreating and literally spreading out over the earth. Humanity was to fill the earth with more people made in God's own glorious image. And we're going to read that. So chapter one, if you will, with me. Chapter one, verse 26 to 28 says, and I'm in the ESV. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And yet, after that, what we know that happens in chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. Despite being in paradise, they failed to properly obey God's mandate to fill the earth with God-like image bearers. Instead, they sought to be gods themselves, tarnishing their own God-like image. They believed Satan's lie to them, that God was holding back real goodness and the fullness of life from them. So they pridefully sought independence from him by disobeying the one thing he said that they couldn't do. And that, as opposed to being in partnership with and dependence on him. And their children followed suit. Cain killed Abel. And then corruption just kept increasing on the earth. And we can see that in chapter 6. So we're going to turn there as well. Chapter 6. 6, 5 to 6 says... The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. It grieved him to his heart. It got so bad that in chapters 6 through 9, as you keep reading, God had to wipe the slate clean. We know this story, God flooded the earth and started all over again with Noah and his family. Hence, despite humanity's disobedience and evil, God was able to rejig things so that his plan could continue. And he repeated his plan and mandate to humanity via Noah, which we're going to read now in chapter 9. So let's go chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then verse 6 and 7. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by, the, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So, in chapter 9. Just before our text this morning, we've got this fresh start of God's plan. He's re-kicked things off. But then we read the next noteworthy part of the situation. These people, descendants of Noah, were migrating. Until they weren't. They stopped. As the ESV says, they settled. And what was humanity meant to be doing? We've read it twice Spreading out. Spreading out and filling the earth. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Spreading out and filling the earth. The author's giving us here a heads up that something is amiss. Something is not right. This particular group of people had stopped. Now, some people call this group Babylonites, others Shinites, and we'll call them Shinites this morning because they stopped in China. Now, the Shinites didn't consist of all of humanity, at that point in history, just one group of people. And you can, you can read that and see that in chapter 10, verse 10. However, they did and do sadly represent the ongoing state of humanity in all its sinfulness. People were and are, even to this day, continually seeking their own independence from God. They believe in their own ability. Instead of depending on God who created, provides and sustains all, all that we have, they were seeking independence, self-sufficiency. They wanted to follow their own plan, not God's. The situation was this, one language with migration and then settlement. The coming trouble, which the author hinted at earlier in the opening situation, becomes more apparent for us in verses 3 to 4. Here we see the people's plan. Just like verses 1 to 2, initially, everything seems fine. The text doesn't indicate anything too bad. In fact, the people in verse 3 are using their God-given gifts. They had, as we've just read, been made in God's image. And this blessing of God, being made not the same but like him, meant that they could do things like him. And just as God is cre- uh, inventive and creative, as, as all of Genesis up to this point has been saying, these people had invented new technology bricks and mortar. Maybe that doesn't sound too special to you, but that's actually pretty incredible. Like, how foundational are those two elements even to life for us today? They're everywhere. Nevertheless, what we see in verse 4 is that the Shinites' plan wasn't for expressing the blessing of God that they'd received, but instead for rebellion. Contra God's plan, they intended to use what they had received from God as a gift for their own plan and glory. Their goals are plainly laid out for us to build a city and to build a tower why in order that they could have a name uh, in order that they could have a name and not be dispersed. The shinites goals here are rooted in three foundational and fundamental and legitimate human needs. All humans need security, identity and community. The Shinites here were seeking security in their city, an enclosed place of collective protection. They were seeking identity by obtaining prestige and glory, or as the text says, a name for themselves, through the building of this tower to the heavens. And all this in order that they might have ongoing community by not being dispersed. And I mean, I mean, what do you think? That doesn't sound like a terrible plan. Well, I don't think so. What do you think? There's just there's just one little problem with this plan. It's completely the opposite to what God wanted. And it's almost a complete parallel to what happened in Eden. These people had everything. And and yet they sought more. They wanted to be not only like God but gods themselves. Completely self-autonomous, independent. Yet the reality for all of humanity is that we can't experience real life apart from God. We are creation, not the creator. We need God. He is life. He is the sustainer. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life." He created our environment. To live life to the full and to experience a completely blessed life, we must be dependent on God. When we step apart from the plan of God, we don't obtain more We lose what we already had, and that leads us to the irony of this account, which we're gonna, which we can see in verse five. Flick to the next one, boom. Yep. Let's read verse five again together. So, chapter eleven, verse five. Oh, if I can get there. Chapter eleven, verse five. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Let me read that again. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Okay. God had to come down. The irony here is that despite what the people thought of their grand plans, a huge city and a tower into the heavens, God had to come all the way down to see it. Twice the text points out that that God had to come down, not just in that verse. They and their efforts, despite the uniqueness and creativity of humanity, are nothing in comparison to the almighty God. The people had sought security in a city, identity in a tower, and name and community through human-led unity. But another irony here is that they already had all of those blessings in God. He was their security. As we read in 9, 5 to 6, God made his covenant with Noah and his family, promising to be their protector, their justice, to bring vengeance on their enemies if anyone came against them. They didn't need to worry about security. He would protect them. God was also where they could find their identity. They were made in his image. Humanity was so unique that there was no other creature like them. Woman was made specifically from or for man because she was so perfectly unlike and superior to everything else in creation. Genesis 2, 18 to 24. They were created to govern the uh, the creation together in harmony, not like we see today. Humanity. Humanity was already godlike with created creativity governance relationship and so much more and humanity was made in relationship with god he was their community from the very first moment of life he walked in the garden with them he was the rela- relationship that informed their other relationships with each other and with the world god is the basis of healthy community We believing Satan's lie, thought God was holding back on us, and so we wanted more. The tragedy here is that when God ironically comes down to see all of this counterfeit blessing that man had created for themselves, He no longer identified these people as His. No longer were they referred to as children made in His image, but rather children of men. They had lost their security identity, and community because of their desire for independence to follow their own plans. Relationship with God was broken due to rebellion against his plan. The irony in this story is amusing, but it is also tragic. So now we arrive at God's plan, verses 6 to 7. In the face of humanity's rebellion yet again, just after having recreated the world, and promising not to wipe them out in similar fashion, the flood, what does God do? He steps into the story again. He intervenes again. He enacted part of his own original plan to bring about the fullness of his plan. God always intended that this world would be filled with people, but God never intended that this world would be filled with people who are all the same. How boring would that be? God desires human, human diversity, which is united Under and in him. Part of the reason this story comes after chapter 10 and not before it is so that diversity of both language and culture is displayed as God's original will. Chapter 10 states uh, diversity of peoples and language as normal, the way it should be. Hence, all the repetition of a nation, a language, a people. And plus, in our, our own human sciences today, anthropology, the study of people, it's demonstrated convincingly for us that the separation of people groups in different areas over long distances of time leads to different languages. Therefore, since we know God wanted the whole earth field, it seems logical that that pattern of dispersion and resulting language culture and diversity of peoples was part of his original plan. The reason the story's atmosphere later becomes so negatively dire in that verse 6 regarding the Shinites all being one people with one language is because they were acting both contrary to God's plan by not filling the earth and contra his will by uniting in a human way. Uniting in a human way, not a godly way. 1010 seems to indicate that they were forming the first empire united under one human called Nimrod. The conformity to one language and one people was a symptom of their rebellion and failure to disperse. The Shinites were conforming to one type of language, culture and humanity, rather than the diversity mandated by God to be united under him and in him. Unity in diversity, it's something that we see even in the very own person of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they do different things, but they're the same person. And we also see it in his creative work. Nature made of many parts that mutually benefit each other. But do we see that in humanity today? Maybe a little bit, but not much. Where we do see examples of a beautiful unified human diversity is in the New Testament in two key locations. These are small images for us of what life would have been like if not for sin and what heaven will be like. The first is in Acts 2, uh, uh, chapter 2, pardon, verses 1 to 13, with the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church at Pentecost. There, each people group was able to uniquely experience God Because the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in foreign languages. The people present there could hear the disciples speaking in their own heart languages. And this made way for the proclamation of the gospel in that setting and the spreading of the gospel into the whole world. And the second is in Revelation 7, 9 to 10 and 14, 6. Revelation 7, 9 to 10 and 14, 6. In both those passages, the chosen people of God are from every tribe, people group and nation and language. There are different languages. They're distinguishable by the author due to their difference and their diversity. And yet they are beautifully, beautifully united through faith in the one Lord Jesus Christ. That is our Lord. Eternity which awaits us includes distinct peoples, cultures, languages and even nations god's plan crosses and includes linguistic cultural and national barriers but it incorporates all these aspects under his lordship for his glory in the world only united can humanity in all its diversity best glorify the fullness of our awesome god i can't do it alone could you Our diversity allows us to display the full character of God. We are one body made up of different parts, and Christ is the head. And this is how God desired it from the very beginning. As we've seen, God's plan from the very outset included different peoples, cultures, and languages, made in the image of Christ, God's glory. Hence the need for the dispersion that we see and that we're reading about. And Scripture assures us that this is the harmonious, unified future that awaits us, the people of God. Man's plans did not and can never thwart the will and the plan of God. God's plan was a diverse filling of the earth with his image bearers for his glory. And then we arrive at the last part. Verses 8 to 9 reveal for us the solution. In order for God's plan to be enacted, he needed people everywhere. For God to be ultimately glorified, he needed different kinds of people and different kinds of language all over the place. By confusing their language, God dispersed the people and had them fill the earth. God implemented the step that they rebelliously didn't want to take. His plan was enacted despite humanity's direct intention to subvert it. God used the Shinite's evil to bring about his plan and glory. Only in God can humanity find complete security in life. He is creator, provider, sustainer, protector, and importantly, our saviour. Only in God and his plan do we find satisfying identity and purpose in life. We are his image bearers responsible for spreading his glory. And only through relationship with God can we learn how to construct healthy community with him, ourselves, and his creation. God's solution was to thwart the rebellious, misguided plans of man, to enact his own plan for his glory and the blessing of all people. And thanks to God's intervention, people from every tribe, nation, language, are included in God's plan today. We are God's church and his plan is our calling. The story's situation here it turned dire because humanity planned for its own independence from God. And the irony is that it's only God who can meet all their needs anyway and had already had. So it took God's intervention and his reinitiation of his original plan which was the solution. And this story repeated itself throughout human history. As you read through the Bible, it keeps happening. And it continues to this day. From the beginning of creation, God commanded humanity, giving them a purpose. He mandated that they fill the earth, be fruitful, and multiply, in order that His glory would spread and grow as people in His image spread out and represented Him. But humanity failed by constantly disobeying his commands and seeking independence from him. That's why he had to intervene. That's why he flooded the earth. And that's why he intervened again and confused the language so that his good plans would continue. And at that point in history, God intervened yet again. This is our story. Or just after our story, rather, in Genesis 12. He introduces us there to Abraham. Through him, God would create one nation. Israel, to mediate his glory and blessing to the rest of the world, to all peoples. Abraham and Israel, Israel's mandate was to obey God, be blessed, and be a blessing to all nations. But if you know anything about the history of Israel, or the Old Testament, you know they were pretty hopeless. They were, just like the rest of humanity. Ironically, Israel, at the peak of its failure failure to obey God, it was exiled to where? Babylon. Babylon, the very place our story likely occurred, and to the descendants of some of those who are in our story. Israel's failure made it necessary for God to again intervene in a special way in human history. And how did he do that? Jesus Christ. Jesus arrived on the scene in the New Testament and inaugurated the church, which would enable people of every tribe, language, and nation to once again be united and blessed in God. And Jesus very clearly left his church. That's you. Believers from all different people groups with a clear mandate. Make disciples of every nation. God's plan for glory is a plan of salvation for all people. And we need to learn from this text not to fail like humanity in Israel. We must learn from the mistakes of our spiritual ancestors, but we can also learn from the the good way that Jesus went about things. God's good plan, God's core plan, it has not changed. He wants this earth filled with people like him. To To do that, they need to know him So what do we do? We spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus' saving work by crossing any and every barrier that we face. That is how we spread his glory on this earth. And though the plan hasn't changed, God's means of accomplishing it has. And it's not complete. We are a part of that story. We're part of the plan. I'm just going to flick over to this next slide. Awesome. We asked ourselves at the start, why do we invest why do we invest to intentionally cross distances, languages and cultures? and why all this diversity? Because we invest a lot of things in it time, money, effort. Well, the diversity, the diversity is there because it's a necessary part of God's original plan to reveal His glory. And our Christian devotion to evangelism, missions and all outreach is there to continue spreading God's glory. Every Christian and every diverse and biblical expression of Christian faith is a manifestation and expansion of God's glory on the earth. God is expecting you, his people, to take part in his plan. Are you a part of it? So my encouragement to you today is to actively be a part of God's plan. Actively. But perhaps you find those, those three words that I've mentioned already a little bit daunting. Evangelism, outreach, missions. They don't have to be. First of all, let me just say that as a church, Aldinga Bay Baptist, you are already participating in all three of these. Because we see all of your outreach and you've partnered with us. Your prayers, encouragements, and finances enabled Joe and I to serve cross-culturally, internationally, and in a different language. When we left here two and a half years ago, we couldn't speak Spanish, and now we can. And we're able to minister in it. And because of your support, God is bearing fruit through our ministries. As a result of Joe and I spending a whole year, a <laughs> whole year, painful year, learning culture and language in Cusco, we've been able to devote the last year and a half, to ministering in Abankai. We've helped lead and teach at various conferences and conferences and camps during that time. And and just like, praise God, you as a church here in Australia have 23 new young adult um, brothers and sisters in Christ as a result. Praise God. Another overflow of one of our other ministries was an interdenominational conference that Joe mentioned that we organized for the deepening of faith for the city's young adults. And the main feedback we received from attendees there was a sense of spiritual reconnection with God and greater understanding of his will for their lives. God is working in Peru across geographic, linguistic, and cultural barriers thanks to your partnership in his plan. All those new and growing believers in Peru are revealing God's glory and reaching others with it as well via their own unique Peruvian, Spanish, Quechua, rural, urban, all different expressions of faith. Glory to God. But on an individual and a personal level, how are you participating in God's plan? How are you doing it in your own life? Because if we want to fill this earth with God's glory, we need to be becoming ever more like him. We need to be growing in our own image-bearing likeness of him. And this requires our dedication to personal time with him. It is there that we also develop our dependence and our trust on God and in him. When we forget about God, and leave him aside in our personal lives, that is when we slip into self-reliance, independence from him, and we get absorbed in our own plans, just like the Shinights in our story. Don't neglect your own relationship with God, because that relationship will not only be a blessing to your life, but it will be a blessing to the lives of the people around you, and a glorifying gift from you to God, and a witness to the world. So finally, I want to give you some ideas for how you can intentionally get involved in God's plan. I already said dedicate some personal time to being with him. Um, That's on you. Do that in your personal time and please do it. That way we can grow in our dependence on him. It's good. But perhaps if you're looking for a way to support his plan locally or worldwide with other believers, you could do one of the following. First of all, start supporting a sponsor child. Or if you've got extra cash, get another one. You can talk. Is Jenny Ward here? Is she in the congregation? I haven't seen her. Well, anyway, Jenny Ward, who attends this church, she has a lot to do with compassion. I don't know if she's still in charge of sponsoring children, but get in contact with her and you can sponsor a kid in another country that has far less than you and who needs to hear the good news. Or you could read the prayer updates and newsletters of the missionaries of this church. You could talk to Amos. There's a group here called Amos, the missions group, and they can give you all the details you need to follow the stories of the missionaries that this church already supports. But don't just read their stories and follow along. Also pray for them. We need your press. Or you could give regularly at church. There's a box over there where you can donate with cash. And you can also do it online. I think in the bulletin, they've got all the details or they send it out online as well. Additionally, you could join a ministry. I know there's a bunch of committees that need filling. I heard that last week. But also, what about youth group? Youth group, they always need tons of support. You can talk to Mark because he's running youth at the moment. Youth group always needs support and it is Frontline's local ministry. Or you could do something really crazy and even look into serving as a missionary yourself. The reality is, The world needs more of them. And today we have Francis from Sim here. Francis, can you wave to everyone? Yeah. If you're interested in becoming, or in missions full stop, you can go and talk to Francis after the service. She can help you out. God wants you. He wants me. He wants all of us to participate in his plan for salvation. If you're not already involved, start participating in one of the streams of his plan that I've just mentioned. God desires for all his people to participate in his plan. And be they local or international, it's by crossing the barriers of language, culture, and distance that we do so. You're a part of God's plan. You are. So participate in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to pray just like we did at the start and say thank you for your word. It is powerful. It does change our lives. And Lord, every part of it, whether it's at the beginning or the end of the book, applies to our lives. Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for the the saving work you did by coming into this world, crossing a million barriers, language, culture. You are the incarnation of God himself to humanity. In you we see God. Thank you, Lord, for coming that we might know you, the Father, and have the Holy Spirit live in us. Lord God, we pray that that you would empower us by the Spirit to be able to cross barriers, whether they are local or international, Lord God. Help us, provoke us, Lord, to participate in your plan, and help us to do so effectively. Lord, it doesn't matter how many skills we have, how intelligent we are, you can use us. And so help us, Lord God, to get excited about your plan, to find a way to participate in it, and to be a blessing a glorifying blessing to you and your kingdom. And may we be blessed by you in the process. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.